Near my home, there used to be a beautiful lake. But then, then it, it was gone. Did the lake dry up? No, it just wasn't there anymore. Nothing was there anymore. Not even a dried up lake. A hole? A hole would be something. No, it was nothing. And it got bigger and bigger. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And way to pull it off in the last round, Once Upon a Time. It's the Once Upon a Time rhythm. The season starts out strong and you're like, yes, this show is amazing. And then it starts to drag and you're like, what are we doing here? What is happening? And then it finishes strong and you're like, I forgot. I do love this show. I am definitely coming back next season. Uh, Again, we still have one episode after this. They could trip in the last... I remember these last two episodes being great. We're on the first part of the season six finale, the final battle part one. And I was not looking forward to the postscript season, but I remember after we watched the finale way back when it first aired, I was like, all right, they have me hooked for the next season. Yeah, the again. Not enough though, because we actually didn't watch it. Well, we got like three episodes deep into it. Yeah, that's true. Like, I get the feeling that some of these scenes were recorded when they found out there was going to be another season. Oh, definitely. But the thing is, those extra scenes would have made for a really good series finale. I actually think I would have been disappointed if they had left it there and not followed up. The place that they're going to leave it next week. Really? If they had just left it in the kind of the adventure continues ending? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Oh, also, last week, I did forget to mention in, you know, the heat of all of the other musical uh, moments, uh, I forgot to recommend the musical episode of Todd and the Book of Pure Evil. Not the first musical episode they do in season one, which is uh, diegetic. Uh Uh-huh. Not the one in the first season where the guidance counselor puts on a uh, rock opera about uh, losing his virginity, but the... Second one, where a character uses the Book of Pure Evil to steal someone else's identity. And the twist the book throws in is that uh, everything becomes a musical because she hates musicals and the book needs to fuck you over somehow when granting your wish. I'm embarrassed that we talked about musicals last week and I didn't mention It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The Nightman Cometh. That is amazing. Plus, it contains the line, but who are we doing this musical at? (laughs) Yes. Basically, this is this is going to be our new podcast now. We're just going to be remembering other musical episodes when we should be talking about Once Upon a Time or Charmed or Farscape. Every musical episode ever. I'm here for it. All right. So uh, as a reminder, Emma and Hook got married last week and the Black Fairy's darkest of dark curses went off. Yes. Usually when Max says as a reminder, he recaps what was in the recap So I do want to say that in this case, the recap was the recap we used to get at the beginning of season one. Once upon a time, there were fairy tale creatures, and then the evil queen cast a curse and brought them all to Storybrooke. But you all don't need to be reminded about that. I feel like we say a lot in our podcast, this is a callback to season one. So it feels weird saying it as sort of the last 
bit of the show, but the last bit of the show is a giant-ass callback to season one. Well, that makes sense. A lot of shows in their final season wrap up by bringing things full circle and referencing the first season again. Yeah, I mean, Buffy, what is it, opens at the close? Yes, I open at the close. They go back to the high school and they even take dialogue from the pilot and repeat it in the last episode of Buffy. They do. Arrested Development, you know, before they got their Netflix seasons. Oh boy. Yeah, right. But the finale of Arrested Development is almost shot for shot the first episode of Arrested Development. Yeah. It's a kind of neat synergy. Yes. As we're as this goes up, uh, we are one week away from the end of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And Rachel Bloom, who plays Rebecca Bunch and created the series, just tweeted that she just filmed her last scene and actually tweeted, I open at the close. Oh. Yes. All right, so let's talk about the show. Oh, we get a Chiron, which is not actually super helpful. It tells us that we are in the Enchanted Forest at a time of great upheaval. So basically any time in the Enchanted Forest. Mm. And we see characters that we have not seen before. Or have we? Yes, we see a man running through the woods away from some sort of weird mystical creature we don't see. Some great evil. He goes into, it's kind of like a hobbit hole. It's like a stump that has a door inside it. And that door has a nice little... Yeah, it's a cave with a door. Yeah, it's a hobbit hole. Well, it's a cave that's hidden behind a fake log that has a door in it. There's a lot going on here. It's a very hidden place. So he goes into this hidden place to find his daughter. Yes. Oh, we don't know that she's his daughter, but she is his daughter. A small child. A adorable child? Yeah, I'd say she's adorable. He gives her the Once Upon a Time book to hide, Henry's book. And tells her to guard it with her life, that she needs to get to safety, and then he throws her into a wardrobe. Actually, he tells her to guard it, and she says she'll guard it with her life, and he says it won't come to that. Oh. Yes. This is the part that I think you were talking about that was probably not filmed until after they knew they were coming back. Yes, because he shoves her into a magic wardrobe just in time because the door bursts open and something comes at him. Yes. Something. Something. So we go back to Storybrook where the darkest of dark curses is hitting and Hook's like, oh shit, this is going to fuck up the honeymoon. And Emma's like, don't worry, we've... Apocalypse... We've all been there. The same old tricks. Why should we care? We're not doing that this episode. We're not. But seriously, Emma is like, we've done this so many times before. Who gives a shit? Apocalypse. We've all been there. It's true. The darkest of dark curses hits. It clears the entire roof except for Henry. Yes. Henry wakes up alone on the roof with his book, with Mm -hmm. the Once Upon a Time book. And by the way, he's on the roof and... All of the chairs and the archway, all of that's gone, but the little stage that they were standing on to get married is still there. Hmm. But I don't think it's an integral part of the roof. Huh. Yeah. What I like about this, it's very, very subtle, but the I really love the color correction in this episode. Yes, or maybe the lack of color correction. Yeah, there's sort of a, a slight grayish tinge, but not like in an aggressive way that you really pick up on. Right. When Henry gets down off the roof, he's on Main Street, and it's still Main Street of Storybrooke. They haven't changed it. But just subtly, the way they're lighting it and the way they're filming it, 
it looks more like a real town and less like a fairy tale town the way it has looked for the last six years. The colors aren't enhanced. Yes. So Henry goes down to the street and he runs up to Archie and is like, Archie, the black fairy cast her curse. And he's like, oh, this fucking shit again. Yeah, Archie's like, Jesus fucking Christ, Henry, how many minds do you have to be trapped in before you realize fairy tales aren't real? And Henry's like, fucking shit, we're back in season one. Now, I had a question about this that I still don't know the answer to. So, was it the Black Fairy's intention that Henry be excluded from the curse? Or is he just immune to dark curses for some reason? Oh, God, that's a good question. I think that she, I, you know, upon reflection, I don't think that she meant Henry to be immune to the curse. Okay, I don't think so either. I think it's, I think she was as surprised as anyone that Henry kept his mind, so to speak, when the curse happened. I think Henry is problematic in a dark curse because the dark curse was constructed to house all of these people and Henry is Always an outsider. Henry was brought in from the outside. Yeah, he is inherently a, f- a foreigner to the Dark Curse. Yeah. Although, really, so should Gideon, but, I mean, Gideon should be as well, but... Yeah, but he was, like, gestated in a dream and shit. Honestly, Henry should not be in the town. We Henry should... should have been kicked from Storybrooke, but then there would be no story. Yes. And we'll talk about that more once we get to that part of the episode. We are jumping the gun a lot here. Henry's like, okay, so Dr. Hopper is clearly under the curse. Dr. Hopper, where is my mom? And Dr. Hopper says, Henry, she's in the same place she's been the last four years. Which is weird because he means Emma, and that is what Henry meant. But it would have been just as logical for him to assume that Henry meant the Black Fairy, meant Fiona. So this is a very, very weird comparison for me, what, what I'm about to bring up. Okay. This is kind of a much better version of my least favorite episode of Buffy. I was thinking about that episode of Buffy the entire time we were watching it. It's impossible to not think about that episode of Buffy. This is normal again if normal again didn't suck. It's the one episode of Buffy I've only seen once and am probably never going to revisit. Wait, wait. You think normal again is worse than beer bad? Yes, I think normal again is worse than beer bad. Beer bad is stupid But, like, Normal Again is actively, actively bad in a way that Beer Bad is not. I'm sorry, but, oh, what if they were in an insane asylum is legitimately the worst plot. It is so lazy. It is so hackneyed. And, honest to God, even in its weakest moments, I expect better from Buffy. It is the worst plot. You are a bad writer if you use that plot. Normally, I feel like you can pull off any plot and have it be good. That is always a bad plot. I did not know you had such strong feelings about normal again. Let me take an interesting concept. Let me take a cool idea and go, oh, what if it was literally the laziest thing ever? It's basically, it is basically an edgier version of, oh, it was all a dream. Or what if everyone was dead the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I was obviously thinking of normal again while we were watching this because it's impossible not to. Because heads up, Emma is in an asylum. But I was also thinking about how in season one, as I think I brought up many, many moons ago when we were talking about season one, 
as it was first airing, there was some debate as to whether or not Henry was right. Like, are these really fairy tale characters or is this just like Jungian archetypes and Henry is actually imagining all of this to deal with his terrible, you know, family life. Mm -hmm. Until, you know, Regina crushes Graham's heart in episode seven. That was the moment when we knew that it was real. But I like that this episode, like, could have done that again. They could have, they could have done normal again and made us think, oh, maybe this was all Henry's imaginings, except that they give us the outside point of view of the people we're going to see in a few minutes who are in the Enchanted Forest so that we know that that's not the case. Mm. I like that. Yeah, no, this is a better version of normal again. Because Henry calls it out. At, Henry uses his author powers, basically, and he's like, no, this is bullshit. It's like that episode of Community. Yes, the episode of Community where John Hodgman tries to convince them that Greendale is actually an asylum and that they're all mad and that they've just been imagining all of the adventures they've been on in Community. And then Annie's like, no, look, I have pictures from this on my phone. And there's a Greendale backpack. The only good versions of this story are pointing out why that story does not work. Well, I mean, normally, again, it wasn't just someone trying to gaslight Buffy. It was a spell. Well, yeah, it was a demon who was trying to trick her into, uh, you know, killing her friends. Except maybe it wasn't. Maybe that actually was the doctor. And that's why we get that shot at the end of the episode where Buffy's in a, you know, padded cell. Ugh. I legitimately hate that plot I so much. I had no idea you hated that episode so much. You you hate that too. We've we've talked about this before. Yeah, but I hate it like intellectually because it's a slap in the face. I don't think it's a slap in the face. I think it makes the story less interesting. Yes, I've talked about this at length now, but I actually wrote an essay about it for for our website about why that kind of trope makes the story less interesting. Yeah, but although the the worst one is the fan theory, it, the worst one is not actual episodes the worst one is the fan theories that everyone is dead the whole time what if ash is in a coma what if what if finn is in a coma and all the adventures are just in there especially with finn because they're doing it like it's a dark take on adventure time adventure time is a show that takes place after the nuclear apocalypse my least favorite is what if uh what if phoebe is homeless and all of friends is just her staring through the windows of central perk wishing that she had friends it's weird that that's the role she casts herself in in the Friends universe then as, you know, the asshole that none of them really like. She lifts right out. She lifts right out. Emma is in an asylum. She's painting a swan because this show is nothing if not on the nose. I want to point out the asylum in the Black Fairies version of this town is much nicer than the asylum in Regina's version of the town. Well, it's not in the basement, so there's some natural light. Yeah, it's not in a secret basement. Here's the thing, though. It is the asylum from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Nurse Ratchet is the nurse. Joe is there. This is going to raise some questions later in the episode when they actually make a One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest reference. Well, how is Emma not aware of this? She's the one who makes the reference. How, how is Emma not realizing that Henry is telling her the truth when she just looks around and realizes that she is surrounded by characters from a Ken Kesey novel? So Henry goes up to Emma and he's like, 
you remember me, right? And I was like, yes, I remember you. And he's like, good, because I can't find Snow or David or Hook. You, how much do you know of what's going on here? And Emma's like, I can't do this again. Emma tells him that there is no Snow, there is no David, there is no Hook. None of this is real. And that him telling her about all of this got her locked up in this asylum. Again, she goes back to season one. She's like, look, I indulged in your delusions back when you were you know, a tiny, adorable child. And all that happened was you got worse, I got worse, and you nearly died. Not the time that he got stuck in the mine, but... The time he ate the poisoned apple turnover. I feel like they don't really explain why that caused him to go into anaphylactic shock. Is he allergic to butter in this uh, Maybe he's allergic to apples in this timeline. Hmm. Although Emma calls it a poisoned turnover, so it's not an allergic reaction, but poisoning. Does she think in this timeline that Fiona tried to poison her and nobody's doing anything about that? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that just raises more questions. Yeah. This is kind of a hobbled together dark curse. It's kind of pieced together from Regina's dark curse, so there's going to be some holes. It was weird that Fiona was smack-talking Regina for not, you know, for not successfully pulling off the dark curse. Her dark curse ran for 28 years. Yeah, Fiona's is going to fall apart in like a day. Plus, Fiona just cribbed all of Regina's stuff anyway. You'd think that her version of the Dark Curse would be completely different. But no, it's Regina's, but not as well put together. And if you remember some of the things we said back in season one, Regina's curse had some pretty serious holes in it. Yeah, I mean, she's an evil queen, not a... City planner. Not a city planner. Uh, I do want to point out that in this version of the curse, there is no Snow White and there is no David. Mm. So there's no Mary Margaret that Henry could have pointed to and said, this is your mother and no coma dude. Yes. Which I feel like would have made it a lot harder to sell Emma on the idea that this was a fairy tale. Because I think one of the things that led her to start believing was her instant maternal connection with Mary Margaret, despite the fact that they were... Remember how close they were in season one? Yeah, because they had an instant connection because Emma's Snow White's daughter. It's so weird how they lost that as soon as the memories came back. So Nurse Ratched comes up to give Emma her pills and Henry tells her no, that the pills are what's keeping her from remembering. She can't take that, which is... Ridiculous. That's not what's keeping her from remembering. Yeah, it's it's magic, Henry. It's the curse, Henry. I mean, you probably shouldn't be taking pills that are prescribed to you by an evil fairy who's trying to keep you locked up. Yeah, I mean, okay. This, this isn't Garden State, or rather, this is Garden State. I haven't seen Garden State. So there's a bit in Garden State where Zach, what's his face, JD... Uh, near the beginning of the movie, he stops taking his pills, and that's what launches him on the, uh... Oh, so is, like, the whole movie a manic episode? No, see, that's the thing. His dad was a psychiatrist. Uh-huh. And he's been using pills, like, there is literally nothing wrong with the character. Uh... It's just his dad didn't know what to do with him, so, like, his mom was in an accident when he was young, and the dad just didn't know how to be a parent, so he just put him on medication to make him Loki so he wouldn't have to deal with him. Okay, I don't like the villainization of medication in pop culture. It's really bad. In that movie, they do make a point of saying, like, this is medication he's not supposed to be on. Okay, but okay, but it still feeds into the idea that people are medicating their children 
rather than dealing with them. Yeah. And it ignores the fact that, yes, there are legitimate reasons to be on medication. Which, again, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend did such a better job because the series gets launched off on a manic episode that she goes on because she's off her pills. And then in this season, they had a whole song about taking your pills, which I think is great. Yeah, it's like, you're not special, and it's not a bad thing to be on medication to help you out. Like, we do as a society have a tendency to demonize medication for really no good reason. So, yeah, this isn't a great subtext to this episode, oh no, Emma's on medication. But, I mean, also... She's under the mystical control of an evil fairy, so... Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's like... I have a hard time believing those pills are doing anything. No, no, they're not. They're 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 not even real. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of an evil fairy, Fiona shows up. And she is not Lana Perea in season one. Oh, no, but the show so wants her to be. They're giving her Lana Perea lines and... She's pretending to be Henry's mother and doing the protective mother thing that Regina did so well with Emma in season one. But she's just, she's not Lana Perea. Okay, what I like about this is as soon as she shows up, Henry immediately cottons on to what's going on. And he's like, okay, I need to shift into I am cursed mode. So he's like, hi, mom, I was just visiting my other mom. I guess I'll head back to our house now. And Fiona's like, bitch, I know what you're up to. He hugs Emma and whispers in her ear, whatever she wants you to do, don't do it. Mm. He's doing a really good job in this situation. Henry is Henry is genre savvy. It's always been his strongest suit. So Fiona sits down after Henry leaves with Emma and she's like, take your medicine, Emma. And Emma's like, fine. It's weird. And, and it's weird. The way the camera pushes in on Emma when she swallows her pills is weird. It's especially weird because this kind of doesn't come back at all in the rest of the episode. Yeah, as we said, it's not the pills that are making Emma forget, it's the spell. And the pills don't really seem to do anything with her. No, I I think Fiona just wanted to prove to herself and to Emma that Emma would do what she said. So... We cut from that to everyone waking up in the Enchanted Forest in their Enchanted Forest garb. Yeah, including Regina, who is wearing evil, who is wearing an evil queen outfit again. Including baby Neil, which we had some questions about at the end of the author season, because Neil is not a native to the Enchanted Forest. Right, but he is David and Mary Margaret's son, so I guess that, like confers citizenship to him yeah yeah i mean he just straight up wasn't in the fake reality at the end of the author season that's true but he is here which is good because otherwise we'd be wondering where neil was so is it just me or is mary margaret's outfit really good here it's sort of hard to see in the shot we're talking about right she's now. wearing her bandit queen outfit but it's a dress version of her bandit queen outfit yeah it looks really good it does i'm like why did why were they keeping this outfit in their back pocket it's really nice yeah i think everyone is looking good here so in this room which is the room where david and mary margaret were getting married way back in season one we're opening at the close again yes so uh the people who are teleported here are david mary margaret hook baby neil and regina and regina's immediately like where the fuck's henry and mary margaret's like look we'll find him 
clearly the dark curse needed us out of the way we just need to find a way to get back to storybrook so we can take care of this which way to be on the ball mary margaret yes although they also realize that this is what the black fairy meant about separating emma from her family so well whatever she still has that song in her heart (laughs) yeah or something so back in storybrook Dr. Hopper and Fiona are taking Emma back to her cell. It's weird. It was weird in season one, and it's weird now that Fiona as the mayor is, like, also has a hand in everything that's happening in the asylum. But I do love that Emma points that out. Emma's like, this seems like it's a little beyond your typical responsibilities, Madam Mayor. Yeah. And uh, the mayor's like, well, I do like to keep an eye on our troubled residents. And I was like, especially the ones that gave birth to your adopted son. She's like, we don't use the word adopted. He's just my son. So. Although really not. This is not a Regina situation here. Yeah, this isn't this isn't like with Regina because Regina really did raise Henry. Fiona did not raise Henry. This is just a spell. And Regina really did love Henry. Fiona definitely does not. Exactly. But you know what? This is back to what you said. What what does what does the Black Fairy want? See, I also I really like Fiona in this episode, but that's because she's acting so much like Lana Perea. No, it's because she's not a complicated villain here. She's literally just doing things to be evil, and I think that works much better for her than the whole "I was trying to protect my son?" question mark question mark child slaves. Okay, sure, but here, she and Dr. Hopper tell Emma that if they are to let her go, they want her to leave Storybrooke and go back to Boston. That would make sense if Fiona, like Regina, had the goal of being Henry's mother and getting Emma out of the way. But that's not her goal. Yeah, again, her motivations don't make sense at any point here. She does say, like, look, I've been... Talking to Dr. Hopper about you, which, again, ace therapisting Dr. Hopper. Yeah, there's no HIPAA in Storybrooke. But I've been talking to Dr. Hopper about your progress, and you're doing really well, but this seems like it's a toxic environment for you. You never had these problems before you came here, and we both think that it might be better for you mentally if you weren't in this toxic environment anymore. You're doing really well, but there's only so much progress you can make here. Now, honest to God, I feel like it would have made more sense if uh, Fiona's plan was to get Emma and Henry out of Storybrooke. Why would that have made sense? Because they're the only ones who could break the curse. If she got them both out of Storybrooke, they'd have no reason to return there. Okay. I don't get why she's keeping Henry around. Yeah, I mean, as I said when we were watching this, she decided to get rid of Emma's entire support system, except for the most powerful character in the show, who's also Emma's son and will do anything for her. But... I mean... Yeah. Emma, you are all alone now, except for the literal god that you gave birth to. But speaking of at least one aspect of Henry's godhood, Fiona tells uh, Emma, look, I found the fairy tale book. Henry brought you the fairy tale book. I have the fairy tale book now. 
I don't think either one of you, you or Henry, are going to be able to move forward with this still around. What I want you to do is burn it. And I was like, that's a suspicious as hell thing to say, Madam Mayor. That doesn't sound therapeutic. Like, that sounds like you're an evil, dark fairy who's planning something mystical. Yeah, it's it's suspicious. It is suspicious. But she's like, look, I'm not going to do that. I know that this book has led to unhealthy behaviors on both my and Henry's parts, but it's still something that's deeply important to him. I'm not going to destroy it. And Fiona's like, well, maybe you're not as recovered as I thought you were. And she stalks off. Now, before she stalks off, she looks at herself in the mirror that is in Emma's cell so that we can transition to the mirror in the Evil Queen's palace and see that Fiona has been broadcasting this entire scene into the Enchanted Forest. God, Snow is really firing on all cylinders because she's like, duh, the final battle isn't like a battle battle. It's it's an emotional thing. It's a psychological thing. The final battle isn't just the two sides throwing mystical energy at each other. It's trying it's it's a battle for Emma's soul. And Hook's like, that's a fat load of use to uh, uh Hook Hook's awful in this episode. Hook is so awful in this episode. His whole thing is whining and shooting down other people's ideas. Yeah, because there's nothing that he can do if the battle is internal to Emma. So Zelina shows up and everyone's like, the fuck are you doing here? And Zelina's like, I'm on your side now, remember? Yeah, everyone's weirdly hostile to Zelina showing up. It, it seems weird. They've, they've buried those issues. But Zelina has brought the Mad Hatter's hat so that they can- A Mad Hatter's hat. Yeah, that's not a thing. There was only one hat. Zelina tries to hand wave. Oh, there were multiple hats. There were not multiple hats. There was one magic hat. I mean, that was that was a big thing in season one. Remember, he got stuck in Wonderland trying to make other magical hats. He just had the one. Anyway, Zelina uses the magic hat to teleport everybody to the Jack Skellington room that leads to all the different realms. Remember when this was a thing for like 10 seconds in season one where this was the way you got to other realms? Was this room that had doors to every other realm? Yeah. Okay, so I have so many issues with what's happening. I, I like this episode. I really do. But if you look at it too hard, I have so many issues with it. Mm -hmm. So while they're standing in the Jack Skellington room, all of the other realms start to disappear. They they become nothing. Like, the never-ending story, right? And... Zelina tells them that because Emma is losing her belief, all of the realms are disappearing. Snow White says that without Emma's belief, all of the realms of story are vanishing. Yeah, that phrase is going to get used a lot this episode. Okay. That is not a thing. All of these places existed before Emma. This implies that these places are stories that are subject to our realm. That is not the case. All of our realms are equal. The thing that makes our realm different is that it doesn't have magic, unlike every other realm. Sometimes. Sort of. Ish. Right. But my point is, these realms weren't created out of our stories. It's just that stories are the only way that magic leaks into our world. Yes. These worlds weren't built on Emma's belief. 
see, I wouldn't have an... I, I do have some issues with that. I think... I think this is going back to the idea in Season 1 that the Dark Curse would destroy all realms with magic in them. Because that was a part of Season 1. It was a thing Regina and the beginning of Season 2. Regina said that the Dark Curse would destroy all realms except for the one that she created. And that was why in the beginning of Season 1, uh, when that Dementor was after her, she used the hat to send it into the Enchanted Forest because she thought the Enchanted Forest would no longer exist because the Dark Curse is supposed to destroy all other realms. Okay. So if it was tied in with that more, that would make more sense. Well, if it's tied in with that, what was the Black Fairy's original plan when she created the curse? Throwing my hands up in the air. I don't know. It's like, it's a good episode, but nothing hangs together. Yes. Like... I know we started out this episode talking about how good it is, and now we've spent basically all of the time up to now complaining about it, but it is a good episode. It's just, you have to, you have to turn on your suspension of disbelief a lot. You, uh, you have to accept these complete 11th hour changes to the structure of the world that Once Upon a Time takes place in. Things happen because they need to happen. It's the rule for every finale of Once Upon a Time. Things happen because they need to. I guess that's right. So back in Storybrooke, Fiona is on her way to visit her son. Yes, uh, Mr. Gold, who is running Gold and Sons Pawnbrokers. Okay, I have to admit... I got really excited for, like, the three seconds before we went into the store and saw that it was Gideon. Cause I was oh, you like, thought it was going to be Neil? I thought it was going to be Neil. When I saw Gold and Sun, I was like, oh, my God, did they get Neil back? And then I was like, oh, right, Gideon's his kid. Yeah. Okay, so it is still a pawn shop, which it's always been, but they're actually acting like it's a clock repair shop. Hmm. I guess that's something pawn shops could do for you, like... You know, those shoe places that also do other leather work. Okay, I mean... I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Okay. That an antique shop would also have a clock repair aspect to it. Oh, but it's not an antique shop. It's a pawn shop, which is different. Uh. Anyway, Fiona brings them a basket of goodies and is like, Hey, I am acting like your surrogate mother since Belle is gone. Yes, audience. Belle is going. Did they not have access to the actress? She was very weird, right? Yeah, she was very conspicuously not in the last episode either. She also brings them a a basket of lunch, including oatmeal raisin cookies, which are Gideon's favorite. Which is how you know he's evil. I love oatmeal raisin cookies. They have such a bad rap. I am team oatmeal raisin cookies. No, raisins don't belong in cookies or anything. I love raisins by themselves. I do not like them when they are in other things. What about like in cinnamon rolls? Yes, they are bad in cinnamon rolls. Raisins are bad when they are unexpected. Well, what if you even know if you're that expecting the... them? Even if you're expecting them, raisins belong on their own. I just I... more cinnamon rolls for me, I guess. More oatmeal raisin cookies for me. Yes, that that is accurate. So they're talking like Belle is dead. Spoiler alert for later in the episode, she's not. The Black Fairy's like, I'm so sorry that Belle is gone. And Rumpel's like, yes, things have been hard since Belle gone. And he points out, he's like, 
you don't have to do this. It's weird. You're just some lady, Madam Mayor. And she's like, oh, but whenever I see boys in need, it, it just brings out the mothering instinct in me. And Gold's like, really? 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 We're doing this? Really? Yeah. So Mr. Gold obviously knows, right? I don't think so. I don't think Mr. Gold knows. Hmm. Yeah, no, no. I think he is. I think he is under this particular curse. Hmm. Because it does have a sort of the feeling in season one where Regina didn't really know if Gold was fully under the curse or not. Like she was talking to him as though he was, but there was always this layer of subtext where I might be having a double conversation with you, possibly. I mean, it would make sense for him to not be under the curse since he wasn't under the original curse, but I think he is under this one. I don't know. The Black Fairy's kind of lazy. So, I mean, she did just basically crib Regina's. She really did. So, back at the Jack Skellington room. Hello, Jasmine and Aladdin. Also, they let us know that there are Arendelle people there, even though we don't see any of them. Although, Arendelle wasn't its own realm. It was in the Enchanted Forest. Yes, refugees from all of the realms that are being destroyed by Emma's lack of belief are showing up in the hat room. Uh, Zelina and Regina are using magic to gather as many people in this very small space as possible. Well, Regina tries to use magic to get them out of there and bring them back to her castle, and it fails. She is unable to do so. Hmm. So that's bad. That is bad. Back in Storybrooke, Emma is doing a Terminator 2, a Sarah Connor from Terminator 2. Took the words right out of my mouth. She's doing uh, pull-ups on her bed frame to, like... Get swole so she can fight the robots that are coming for her and her son. Exactly. Speaking of, Henry shows up and he's like, hey, let's leave? There's a great bit where Emma's like, how did you get in here? And he's like... He's like, I stole the key out of Dr. Hopper's wallet. Duh! I am your and Neil's son. Yeah, he is. So he tells her he's going to bust her out and he calls it Operation Cuckoo's Nest. And Emma says, in that movie, Jack Nicholson ends up getting a lobotomy at the end. Which means that she is familiar with the story, as you pointed out earlier in this episode. And yet has not noticed that she is there. Hmm. So... Henry's like, don't think about that too hard as they're both run out of the mental institution. Back in the Enchanted Forest, Hook has run to the Beanstalk, which I guess is still up. Sure, why not? And David has followed him because if there's one thing David's instincts tell him to do, it's follow men who go wandering off into forests. Yes, he's like, hey, hey, you are a bearded, be-eyelinered man who went into the woods. You think I wouldn't be able to follow you? (laughs) They're trying to get a, a bean from... This version of the Enchanted Forest? Yeah, so they figure that if they go up this beanstalk, that maybe there will be a bean lying around in the giant's home. Okay, but this is explicitly, Hook says, it looks taller than it did last time. This is explicitly the beanstalk that they went up in season two. Hurley was very clear that there was only one bean left. Yes, that's true. So, I mean... Hook's just been shitting on everyone else's plan. I guess it's good he finally came up with one, but... But his plan... Well, I mean, spoiler, it's gonna work, so... I guess, yeah. So David's like, hey, dude, we could really use your help because 
you know, the entire universe is ending and Hook's like, no, I need to do this. And David's like, you know what? Fine. They don't need me to kill anyone. So it's not like I'm going to be handy there. David doesn't know how Hook's going to be able to climb the beanstalk. And he says he did it before. But when he did it before, he had a spell on his hook. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, he very explicitly did that with Korra's help. Yeah. Also, David might want to rethink going to the Land of the Giants, seeing as his identical twin brother was the one who massacred everyone there. Well, didn't he clear that up when they came to Storybrooke? Well, he cleared it up with Hurley, who was the last surviving giant. So I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's fine. Back in Storybrooke, Henry takes Emma back to the roof so that she can stand where she got married and remember getting married and get her memories back, which actually works. Yeah, like, Henry's like, look, you just need to trigger some memories here. Look, this is where you stood where where you were marrying Captain Hook. And Emma's like, really? And he's like, I know, but you did. (laughs) Yeah, none of us got it either, but what what are you going to do? It's it's some pretty great wordplay because he's like, and look, this this is where uh, this is where your mom and dad gave you away, and it was all the only time my parents gave me away was when I was a baby, and I'm like, oh, burn, burn on David and Mary Margaret. But standing where she got married does trigger flashbacks to the wedding. Yes, and I was like, oh shit, this is what happened last time, which I do kind of like ties into the history that's implied. Yes, the the idea that Henry made her start remembering things before, and that's why she is in the asylum, and so she doesn't, she can't trust herself. Yeah, she's like, I. This is the same thing that happened last time. You drew me into your fantasy world, but she's like, you know what? I'm not paying for your therapy. I'll go along with you again. I know it backfired last time, but I will be there for you again this time. They're basically just going to leave town together. They're going to go back to Boston and everything's going to be fine. But Emma just has to sit tight while he takes care of some things first. Yeah. Which, smart. Yeah. So, back in Gold's shop, he is desperately looking for the book. Not not the book. Not Once Upon a Time. But rather, her handsome hero. Ugh. Which he finds... And he sees that there's a message, the message that we saw her writing in it for Gideon. Yes. Before she gave him to the Blue Fairy to save him from, you know, rumple. Yeah, the message that Belle wrote to Gideon, which was just be brave and strong and true. I always, I will always love you. Once Rumple finds this, he decides he's going to go have a conversation with Gideon about this. About how Belle really did love him. Gideon, not Rumple. But Belle really did love Gideon, so there's no way she would have just taken off with no explanation. So maybe they should look for her. Yes, because this this is where we find out, despite the very significant use of the word gone, Belle's not actually dead. She just left. And I want to know what the alleged time frame is here, because Gideon says, Fiona's been more of a mother to me than Belle ever was. But we get, I was getting the impression that Belle had left relatively recently. No, Gideon says he was just a baby when Belle left. All right. Huh. Which means that from Gideon's point of view, Rumpel waited 20 years to be like, hey, maybe your mom didn't leave. Maybe there was foul play and we should follow up on that. Yeah. That's the weird thing about a curse, you know? You have all these memories of people going about their day-to-day life, but those memories are false, so it seems like people are acting strangely out of the blue, when in fact they're responding normally. 
It's kind of great because Rumple's like, look, I think more's going on here. I don't think your mom just left. And Gideon's like, shut up, dad. She never loved me. She never loved you. She abandoned us both to, you know, sail away and have sex with a pirate. Oh, wait. First wife. God, Rumple's the worst. Well, it's just interesting that Belle is getting the Mila treatment in this curse. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. So... Gideon tells Rumple that he needs to get over Belle and move on with his life and then stalks out of the room. Meanwhile, back in the Enchanted Forest, Regina is trying to come up with a potion that will help them, I don't know, stop the nothingness from eating everything. But Regina realizes that a lot of her potion ingredients are missing. And Zelina's like, don't look at me. I don't have magic anymore. And also I was in Oz. I just got here. And then Regina finds out who it is who's been living in her castle and using her stuff. Eating her porridge, sleeping in her bed. It's her! Yes, it's the evil queen, because as the evil queen points out, she's like, Look, you dropped me off in the wish first. You didn't tell me that you had killed that version of Snow and David, and that that version of Henry was trying to kill me? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't want to stick around there anymore. I got Robin, found a bean, and we teleported to this version of the Enchanted Forest. Now, I need to point out that the Evil Queen does take a moment out of this explanation to compliment Regina on how hot she looks, and Regina returns the compliment. It's very steamy. She's like, wow, you look really hot in that outfit. And Regina's like, thanks, right back at you with interest. Because they're both wearing the same outfit because they're both the same person. I'm like, god damn, I love when these two interact. Yeah. Lana Uh, Perea has chemistry with Lana Perea. Well, of course she does. And Selena's like, look, before you two go to the clone bone zone, like, we need to resolve the whole universe being destroyed thing. Speaking of the universe being destroyed, back in Storybrooke. Fiona gets a call about how Henry and Emma are... Conspiring. On the lamb? Yes, on the lamb. So Henry breaks into Fiona's office and steals back the, you know, book. I don't get why. Because he's the author. He needs the book. We've seen he doesn't, though. Yeah, it's true. But I, I still feel like the book is talismanically important. And considering Henry's power suite, I feel like he definitely needed the book. But Fiona shows up and is like, hey, Henry, I know you're awake, so let's stop playing like you think I'm your mom. It's pretty great because he's like, oh, mom, I didn't. And she's like, you can cut the shit. I know. I know you know. You know I know. You know that I know that you know. I wanted to say how much I love this scene. Really? This is a great scene because to go back to a lot of stuff from season one. This is the show leaning into being a horror movie. That's true. And one of the things that makes great horror movies is things like the domestic becoming tainted, evil. Which is the second thing that I really like about this. The second theme from season one, which is high fantasy violence versus real world violence. Fiona is scary on two levels. She's scary on the level where she is in control Of the location. She is mystically controlling this town. There's a Silent Hill-esque level to this. 
And on another level, Fiona is scary because she's the woman who's where your mother should be. Yes, she's the person who is in charge of Henry's life. And what she does here is a real-life abusive thing. Like, Henry's like, look, you're not going to stop me. I've been through this before. I know how to defeat you. And she pushes him down the stairs. Yeah. And this is uh, Dr. Hopper's office, by the way. I don't think we said that, Mm -hmm. that that's where he is. So this stairwell is light industrial in a way that we don't usually see on this show. Usually we're in mansions or lofts. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when she pushes Henry down the stairs, it's that cinder block walls and that, like, cheap carpeting that you see in office buildings. Like... It is very, it's, it's very grounded in a reality that makes it scarier. Yes, there is a very uncomfortable realness to the scene. And it's really good. It's a genuinely horrifying scene. And I think what kind of adds to it is we're in a new realm here. Like, this is not by any stretch of the imagination the first time Henry has been in danger on this show. Most notably in the Peter Pan season when Peter Pan wanted his heart or in the author season when the author brings him into that version of the Enchanted Forest. But this is the first time I feel like we've really seen Henry being in physical danger. I feel like this is the first time that a person has targeted Henry for an attack, not just needing his heart or wanting his powers, but actually targeted his body for attack. Well... Again, like, I think this is the first time we've seen someone actually use physical violence against Henry. And I think that this is, we still think of Henry as a kid. I mean, but Henry is an adult now. So a part of your brain as you're watching this knows that he is fair game for death at this point. Yeah, he is vulnerable in ways that he has not been in earlier seasons of the show. And there's also a bit which makes Fiona more of a real villain. A lot of the villains in this show, Mr. Gold, Cora, uh, even like Zelina, who did threaten him at one point, but a lot of the villains have a vested interest in keeping Henry alive. Fiona doesn't. Yeah, although I do have to come back to saying I don't know what Fiona does want. Yeah. A lot, her motivation makes no sense. And honestly, uh, and maybe that's why I enjoyed watching this episode, because that could be scary, right? Not knowing what it is that she's actually after. What we talked about her earlier in the season, she was scarier when it just seemed like her motives were rooted in fairy logic. I think this show made a mistake giving us her backstory, especially what her backstory is. The finale works really well. I think it would actually work even better if we had never gotten the Black Fairy episode. Yeah. I think it would work better if this was a character who was not rooted in any solid logic whatsoever. She is a character who is running on her own set of morals, who's running on her own version of reality, and that's something we're just not privy to. Yeah. Finding out that she used to be human and that she's Rumpelstiltskin's mother... And that her goal was to protect Rumpelstiltskin makes you want to understand her logic in a way that before you could just accept it's fairy logic. Yeah. She does things because she does things. Giving, it seems weird because we're talking about how 
one of the things that makes a good villain is motivation, but also one of the things that makes a good villain is them just being evil. You can do that. I know that the world loves a complex villain, but you can literally have a good villain whose motivation is being evil. I mean, you could have a villain who's just a scorpion, you know? Yeah. It is what I do. It's in my nature. It's just you can't go halfway. Yeah. You either need to commit to a morally complex villain whose motivations make sense to them or someone who is just evil because they're evil. You could be the Joker or you could be Mr. Freeze, but don't try to tell me that the Joker has some sort of... Pathos. Exactly. So Henry is uh, at the bottom of the stairs and... Okay, so the shot of Fiona standing at the top of the stairs and Henry standing at the bottom of the stairs, I'm sure it's entirely accidental, or not entirely, I'm sure it's just because it's a low angle thing of someone standing over someone else, but it really feels like it's calling back to the bit with Regina standing over Snow, again in the first season after Snow takes a bite of the poison apple and then falls down the hill where you have Regina standing at the top of the hill and Snow prone at the bottom of the hill. I can see that being on purpose. Yeah. Which, if it is, it's a really good piece of narrative symmetry, cinematography-wise. Don't worry about Henry too much, though. We cut to him being taken in by emergency services. Well, he's in a collar when they're taking him out, but Not a body bag. But also, y'all, his neck is fine. They got their EMT training from a curse. Yeah, I guess that's true. So Mr. Gold comes up and he's like, so what happened here? And Fiona's like, he got in my way. I mean, he had an accident. She's not being subtle here. And you know what? Lana Perea could have made me a lot of these lines. Fiona just can't commit to these over-the-top lines the way Regina could. She's also not being convincing because of how much she's smiling right now. Because Mr. Gold's like, your son fell down the stairs? That's uh, pretty fucked up. And she's like... He'll be fine. He's a resilient kid. Come over to my house for dessert. Bring Gideon. It'll be fun. He's like, your kid's being wheeled away in an ambulance right now. You don't want to, like, go with them or... <laughs> it's true because Fiona Fiona didn't raise Henry from a baby the way Regina did. So she can't fake interest in him. She's really only interested in Rumble and Gideon. Rumble that asks her about Belle, he says he wants to reopen the investigation into her disappearance and fiona tells him you and gideon lead such charmed lives why do you want to open old wounds do they though do they lead such charmed lives they don't seem to be in any active distress i guess i mean i'm not gonna judge you if you you i feel like you could probably have a happy life running a shop with your parent i mean it's not it's not the shop that i have an issue with it's the it's the, it's been 20 years and Rumble's still torn up about Belle leaving him th- part. Yes. How old is Fiona supposed to be in this universe? Is she supposed to be in like her 50s? She, she's like a contemporary of Rumple here. I, I think she's supposed to be younger. I think she's supposed to be in her 40s. All right. So does Rumple think that she's hitting on him? Oh my God. Because, I mean. That's some back to the future shit. But that would be the logical place to go, right? Like, you're, um, you're a man in your, what, 50s? That's where Robert Carlyle is. You're a yeah. man in your 50s. Your wife leaves you, and suddenly a woman, slightly younger than you, starts being really interested in your family, trying to take a motherly role with your son. Wouldn't, I, wouldn't you at least be like, okay, well, what's she trying to do here? 
That is so weird. And yeah, of course, there's... Yeah, that does seem like a logical interpretation from Rumpel's point of view. I... Huh. Now I really hope he's awake. (laughs) Well, he honestly does not... He seems pretty creeped out by the mayor, so... Like, all of the scenes, he has not been comfortable with her. If he is under the curse, which I'm starting to think he is... Yeah, yeah. He knows something is wrong. Speaking of something being wrong, Hook subplot, because... Yep, Hook and David have made their way up into the clouds to the giant's castle house. And uh, Hook talks about how nervous he is about the giants, and David's like, I thought my brother genocided the giants, and Hook's like, apparently not all the giants, which, what? Because there's food on the table. Yes, there is fresh giant food on the table. Also, David doesn't say it like that. David says, I thought the giants were all gone, and Hook said, apparently some of them stayed. But no, there were only seven giants, and your brother killed six of them. The giants weren't gone. Yeah, I know. That's a nice euphemism, David. Hook does find a remaining bean under a glass bell jar on the giant's table. Weird that they would have the bean growing sitting on their table, but... Yeah. Hook needed to get up onto the table, and he had David give him a boost, and... He's like, of course I'm going to help you. You're my son-in-law. David is very conspicuous about the fact that they are the same age. (laughs) I really like David in this episode, too. It's weird. David and Snow, maybe it's because they're relieved to not be in the show anymore, but... Perhaps. They're just being very, very useful characters now. So Hook uses a knife on the table, a giant oversized knife, to shatter the glass bell jar and pluck out a bean. So they've got a bean now. Yes, they have a bean... The castle starts rumbling, and they assume it's the giants. They know all of the different countries are being destroyed. Why would they not just assume that it's that? I guess they could tell the difference between a creature moving and the land disappearing, because it is a creature moving, but it is not a giant. It is a dragon! Lily? I hope so. No, yeah, no, there's just some random master. I guess... No, there's just some random ass dragon living there now. You move out, you move out for 10 seconds and a dragon comes and takes over your house. Yeah, I guess that is what happens. Back in Storybrooke, Fiona has decided that the best thing to do with Rumble wanting to find out about Belle is to just crush his dreams. So she gives him a bunch of photographs that she's taken of Belle standing in front of various national monuments. Okay, I know they're photoshopped because, you know... They weren't going to send that actress to all of these different locations, but these look so fake. It's like, look, we've got Belle doing the same pose in front of all of the most iconic landmarks. It's like that scene in Wayne's World when he's in front of the green screen and he's like, now we're in France. It's just, really? Also, this implies that Fiona hired a private investigator to track down Belle, and he waited until she was standing in front of various monuments to take pictures of her. Like, I know she's in Paris, but how will they know if if the Eiffel Tower isn't behind her? I know she's in London now, but I need to get Big Ben in the frame, or else she could be anywhere. These aren't surveillance pictures either. These are, like, very staged pictures of her posing for the photographer. I Yeah, it's very weird. So Rumpel's like, those look fake as hell. And Fiona's like, hey, you just think that because you need to get over her and move on with your life. You could never be the man that Belle believed you could be, but you could be the man your son needs. Okay, sure. Whatever. 
so Rumpel's like, okay, and gets out of the car and wanders off. And then Fiona decides it's time to deal with her own storyline, and she pulls out the Once Upon a Time book and finds Henry's note paper inside, where he's been writing out the weird runes that we can't read, but we know from the author mean that the final battle is about to happen. Yes, the mystic sigils. Yeah, the author sigils. And apparently Fiona can read them because she looks at it and is like, oh, very interesting. Well, she actually says, oh, Henry. And I'm like, you know, if that's a candy bar, right? Or also a author known for his short stories with terribly ironic twists. Mm. Oh, yeah, the ransom of Red Chief. Yes. And others. Gift of the Magi? Yes. So Henry's in the hospital. Emma's there. Fiona's there. And Fiona's like, so my son was having a delusional episode and he fell down some stairs. And Henry's like, no, she pushed me down those stairs. And Fiona's like, oh, really? Because this security footage shows you falling. Which, by the way, is suspicious in and of itself. It is suspicious. And I mean... We pretty much, like, she shows Emma the footage, and we pretty much just see Henry falling down the stairs. I'm like, she very easily could have pushed him and not been on camera. Right? It just shows him taking a couple of steps back and then falling down the stairs. She could be, just off camera, having shoved him leading up to that. But Henry doesn't say that. He says she used magic, making him sound like he's delusional. But also, she didn't use magic. She did shove him and it was just off camera. Or did she use magic? She did use magic, but she, like, shoved him and there was a magic effect. Oh, okay. So she, like, shoved him from a little bit of a distance. uh... It was just to establish that she still had magic. It was basically a regular shove, but with glowing hands. The point still stands that the security tape proves nothing. But I guess Emma believes it. Because Emma decides that... The only way to save Henry is to burn the book. She's not doing it in front of him. No, no. Fiona's going to lead her down into the furnace room to burn the book. But, of course, once she burns the book, the Savior's belief will have symbolically died. And once the Savior's belief dies, all of the lands of story will cease to exist. There is a good turn of phrase on Henry's part where Emma's like, you need to get over all of this fairy tale bullshit. Believing in something doesn't make it true. And Henry's like, no, it's It does. Believing in something does make it true. That's how things become true. You have to believe in them first. He would think that. He has the heart of the truest believer. Yeah, he does literally have a superpower where things he believes comes true. Yeah, Yeah, no, Henry, you believing in things makes them true. But, I mean, the point stands. Everything starts out as an idea. So we're going to cut back and forth between the Enchanted Forest, where the world is being swallowed up by nothingness, and... The furnace room where Emma is going to burn the book. I know it's not in any way a reference to it, but it does kind of remind me of the bit where Cinderella's stepmother happens to have a dress burning fire hole (laughs) in her attic specifically so she can have a place to throw Cinderella's dress. I know they're in an actual furnace room here, but... Yes. So Fiona's like... Only you can save Henry by burning this book. Burn the book, Emma. Burn it! And Emma's like, not like, really? Yeah. Emma's, instead of looking at this clearly evil person, Emma's like, okay, I guess I better burn the book. And she throws the book into the fire and all of the lands start falling apart. 
And as the book burns, it decides to punch her in the gut by flipping to a page with Hook. A photo of Hook, by the way, that's not even through the ugly Photoshop filter. It's just like straight up a picture of Hook. No, see, I I think they did use the filter, but they used it like the smallest possible setting. So it's like the colors are a little washed out, but it's Hook. Yeah. They like reduced the tone by two. Emma sees it and she kind of tilts her head. She's like, wait, did I want to have sex with this guy? I think I might have. This this seems familiar. But nope, the book is all burned up and the Enchanted Forest is literally falling apart. Yes, I will pick up part two next week. But yeah, we complained a lot about this episode, but it's also genuinely really good. No, I like the episode. It got me really psyched for next week. Yeah, I feel emotionally invested in a way I haven't felt in a really long time. Yeah, the same, same. So, uh, Fashion Corner? I mean, everybody was back to their traditional outfits. Yeah, everyone was in their most iconic looks. I feel like that is a new thing for Snow, though. Because it is, it looks a lot like her Bandit Queen outfit. But But you're right, it has a skirt instead of pants. It looks really good on her. I'm like, way to pull this outfit out right at the last possible second. Definitely. But it is a very good queen aesthetic that Snow has now. Yes. Did you have any recommendations? Uh, gosh. Let's see. Well, the obvious one would be the never-ending story. That was my recommendation. Because, I mean... Yeah. So your recommendation is not to to watch Normal again? My, that is my anti-recommendation. <laughs> Skip right over normal again. I I guess you should watch it once just so continuity stuff will make sense. But it is a legitimately bad episode. It is the worst episode of Buffy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there are just so many bad episodes of Buffy. I mean, I know you would say you're bad is the worst. I mean, actually, I think I think my least favorite episode of Buffy is probably Teacher's Pet. Oh, yeah. Teacher's Pet's not good. I feel like I give a lot of season one stuff a pass for Buffy. Because it's season one, so it's, you can't even really. Yeah, it's still the, finding its feet. But no, actually, my one of my recommendations, uh, my real recommendation for this week would be to watch this episode. This is a legitimately good episode of Once Upon a Time. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, I feel like we could do, we'd have to go over a bunch of stuff, but we could do a best way to watch Once Upon a Time thing that would just be skipping most of the middle of seasons you know i was thinking we were talking about it once upon a time really would have benefited from having short british style six episode seasons well we talked about it before once upon a time should have had a netflix model where the episodes are only as long as they need to be and the seasons are only as long as they need to be yep all of the bad most well not all but most of the bad things about once upon a time comes from having to stretch things out to fit a certain runtime and episode order. I agree, yeah. Order as in they ordered so many episodes, not... Yes, the network model failed once upon a time. Which is the positive thing about streaming uh, services, the fact that shows are having more room to play around with time, which works for a narrative. Like, with books, you can have them be the length that they need to be to fill a narrative. Sometimes it can be a weakness because without an outside force telling you that you have to be short, sometimes people think that their shows get to be. Yeah, that well, 
that was my issue with the with some of the Marvel shows. Like Jessica Jones, the first season of Jessica Jones is really good, but it should only be six episodes. Yeah. You know, I really liked Maniac, and I feel like Maniac managed to... Some episodes are like 24 minutes and some episodes are 40 minutes. It was responsible with this episode is as long as I need it to be. They they took that freedom and they were responsible with it. So I guess that'll about do it. Yeah, I guess that does it for this week. So next week we'll be doing the final part of the finale for season six. God, it's going to be so weird to say goodbye to Once Upon a Time. I know there's the postscript season. Yeah, we've got a whole other season. We've got six more months of this. (laughs) Our show is partially listener-supported. If you'd like to become one of our supporters, you could head over to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us online. It's a good way to help other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrook. Welcome to Storybrook.